It's New Hampshire Headlines in WKXL. I'm your host, AJ Kirsten. Be sure to check out nhtalkradio.com to get the back episodes of the show. Got an only audio-only episode this week, no video, because we have reporter Ethan DeWitt uh, from the New Hampshire uh, Bulletin joining us from out of state for the holidays. How's it going? It's great. I'm uh, happy to be back. NewHampshireBulletin.com to get more from them. So you guys are mostly shut down this week as I'm looking through the site as you guys enjoy a nice break before the uh, craziness that begins uh, January 2nd, I'm assuming, as the next session begins with the new uh, setup with the legislature. And it, it, to start off with, before we dive into more uh of the specific things maybe discussed next year, but you, you wrote back on December 9th, so it was a couple weeks ago, but it's still just as important now as it was when you wrote it. Um, legislators really, and the governor for that matter also, really has to take into consideration budget as they uh, figure out what they're going to be funding for the next couple of years, especially with the very strong possibility of a recession. I mean, many economists at this point are saying it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when and how bad. Yeah. And so just to bring everybody up to speed again, so the New Hampshire budgets are done every two years. So this next year, they're done in odd numbered years. So this next year, 2023, is the next budget cycle, which means that the governor produces a budget. It is uh, accepted by the House and the House makes additions and then the Senate takes it over and then it comes back to the governor's desk. So all that happens over the course of six months. Um, But this year is going to be interesting because what we have now is what Moody's analytics has called a crucial juncture for state governments. Basically, the last two years, they've been propped up by federal COVID stimulus funds. um, But a lot of that money is expiring next year. And so a lot of states, including ours, are flush with cash right now, but they're also facing down uh, economic uncertainty into the next year. And as you put it, uh, the likelihood of a recession. Um, And so one thing that we'll see in New Hampshire is as they have all this money to play around with, there's going to be a lot of concern over how to kind of weather the effects of that potential recession. And, and that'll be interesting to watch this particular legislature, especially with the House so closely divided. Yeah. And everyone still wants all their things funded so that they're still going to want to try and get every dime they can out of it on both sides of the aisle. And um, and as you, you quoted Drew Klein in your article, who's the president of the Josiah Bartlett Center for Public Policy, which is a uh, definitely conservative think tank uh, said, quote, you don't want to be in a situation of having to raise mm-hmm. taxes or slash services to deal with the effects of recession if you can avoid it, end quote. And, and especially if you're a, a Republican, which is the makeup of our current government in the state, Republicans don't want to raise taxes. It's like the absolute last thing they want to do if they want to continue to stay in office. Yeah, and so that's it's going to be interesting again with so much money our business taxes are coming in a lot and so what people are going to be watching is there's a few indicators uh you know in the next six months that people will be looking to to see if the business taxes in new hampshire are up to speed so first the governor is going to present his budget that'll be around february um and then the house is going to pass its budget that'll be at the end of april um, or sorry, at the end of March, the House will pass its budget and the Senate will pass its budget at the end of May. 
So, as we know, you know, tax season is April. Um, so a lot of it means that we're not going to know exactly how much money the legislature has to play around with until May when the Senate gets the budget. That's how it is every year. But now you throw in concerns of a recession and you you have to look at kind of the, the indicators that we'll see in March and April and May. And you have to then build in the assumptions that there may be a recession. And if there is a recession, then the question is, as you put it, you don't you know, you don't want to be in a position where you have to raise taxes. So you, you do have to kind of uh, manage expectations in a way in terms of the spending. Um, the other question is in this state, you know, how hard would we be hit by a recession? And actually Moody's analytics, I mentioned them earlier, they actually did an analysis and said that New Hampshire would be, uh, you know, hit relatively hard compared to other states. Recession. And there are their analysis is because we rely on business taxes for a large portion of our revenue that we're then kind of at the whim of the the national economy and also the international economy. Um, so, you know, if you get a recession, stocks, you know, tank very quickly, right? And so that can be something that hurts business profits very quickly as well, which could a affect how much we take in. So people like Drew Klein and, and others are saying that well, as we they do the budget, they have to keep that in mind that, you know, we are kind of at the whim of some of these uh, big market forces. Other states that have income taxes, income taxes aren't as affected by recessions uh, or they're not as affected as quickly. So just something to keep in mind. And that's going to be while we watch this process play out, we'll see what choices are made uh, in the next few months. Yeah, which is and ultimately the, the Democrats in, in the state house for a long time said we need to diversify our way that the state is making money from taxes and such. And but well, like I said in my previous questions, like the the Republicans odds are not going to want to do anything like that. So it's going to be very much cutting back or adjusting what they're doing. And fortunately, generally speaking, the state's done pretty well with this rainy day fund and uh, being able to have a bit of a surplus. Correct? Yeah, yeah, definitely about diversifying. So yes, definitely that's an argument that Democrats would make that we need an income tax. This is where you get into the debate over broad based taxes. That's sort of the third rail of New Hampshire politics. Nobody. Democrat or Republican can really kind of run for election uh, on a broad-based tax. Uh, we famously don't have sales tax or income tax. Um, but we actually, to your point about um, how diverse our taxes are, we actually do have a quite a diverse array of taxes beyond the business taxes that we have, which there's two taxes there. That accounts for about a third of our revenue. Then we have um, the alcohol and tobacco sales tax. We have the meals and rooms tax. Uh, and we have have uh, the real estate transfer tax and few others, uh, and they all kind of make up a different sliver. So some of those taxes are affected differently. A, a lot of them still would be affected by recessions. Look at the meals and rooms tax, for instance. Um, that would be likely be hit twofold because you've got people in New Hampshire who they're not going out to restaurants because they're saving money. They're not traveling into New Hampshire. They're, so you get a loss to the restaurants, but you also get a loss to you know all the Airbnbs and the rental car agencies. And every time you book an Airbnb in New Hampshire in the White Mountains, for instance, that is money that goes to the state as uh, you know the, the the meals and rooms tax. So that's an example. We have a diverse array of taxes, but a lot of them are susceptible to the recession. So I don't think you're going to see any proposals 
proposals, even from Democrats for an income tax or anything like that. But I thought it was interesting what Moody said. And I think that um, what Drew Klein and conservatives would argue is that we don't have these broad based taxes, so we shouldn't act like we do. So some states that may have those broader taxes might be able to do more expensive things with their budget. But because we don't, and if we're facing a recession, he's arguing to what they do. I wasn't really aware of the New Hampshire Fiscal Policy Institute until just a couple weeks ago. I actually had uh, their new executive director, Gene Martin, on uh, the New England Take last week to talk about what the organization does. So nhtalkradio.com if you want to learn more about this organization. But they're a nonpartisan organization. It's really a bunch of uh, number crunchers that look at the data and analyze and just uh, give their analysis of it. What, what's their opinion on the outlook for uh, as we head into a, this recession? Well, again, yeah, they they in a lot of my last answer, that was a lot of that was sourced from kind of number crunching that they've done. They are really good at just giving sort of just the facts about where all the revenue is coming from and how that might be. Um, one thing that was interesting when I talked to uh, Phil Sletton at, at the NHFPI is there is a very strong correlation between national business profits and the state's business taxes. So that's why a recession is really critical for New Hampshire, you know, whether one happens or not, and what the national economy is doing. Um, and it's because even though our business profits tax and our business enterprise taxes, even though they are paid by businesses, big and small, in especially the business profits tax, it's coming from multinational corporations. Uh, and because of that, it, again, like I said earlier, it is sort of at the whim. And that was one thing I thought was interesting when I talked to the NHFPI that, um, you know, that's that you can when you look at the actual numbers and you kind of start breaking it down, you really can see the connection there. And that's that's why, you know, everything that happens in the national economy affects New Hampshire. Um, and that's why we have a rainy day fund. And that's that's why, again, these budget questions are, are up there. But I thought that was definitely interesting. All right, so let's discuss what you think your uh, workload is going to be looking like this next year with the various things that will be brought up. Because as soon as the first of the year hits, it immediately gets crazy with, especially with all with uh, new members of um, the House and Senate that are now in office. So Nunu is still going to be there for a couple more years at least. Uh, what what's uh, what are some of the big items that you think will be brought up for legislation? I know education freedom accounts are going to be looking to be expanded, but uh, with as they design their budget around a recession, mm -hmm. that's probably going to be problematic for them. Yeah, there's well, so one thing just to note in terms of context is in the odd numbered years, the, like I said earlier, those are the budget years. Um, that is usually what takes all the oxygen out of the room. Um, and so usually you don't get huge expansive policies, although there's a big caveat there. Mm -hmm. So usually those kind of the, the standalone bills, they often come in the even numbered years, which are the second year after you got that having been said, has also been a vehicle for some of these bills. So people are watching very closely a lot of the bills that are coming up, not because the bills themselves might pass, but because they might be added into the budget and they might turn into bargaining chips for the legislature down the line. So one of the things that I'm, uh, the what, what 
thing, one thing that's interesting is that Speaker Sherm Packard has personally sponsored this bill and a speaker almost never sponsors a bill. That is a very clear indicator of where Republican priorities are. Uh, and we don't know what form it's going to take this time around. Uh, the last form had uh, you know a, a lot of roadblocks and so we discussed that in the past. But this is something that Republicans are likely going to fight for. And I'm very curious to see how far it goes. That's, that's one thing. Just to remind listeners that that bill would have required schools to notify parents of a number of updates to their child while they're at school. So that can that would include any time their child signed up for a new uh, sport, for a new club. Um, but it would also include times when the child kind of came forward with, um, you know, changes to their gen to their gender identity and kind of how they their pronouns uh and different ways that they wanted to be addressed and so that's where that was where there were issues with democrats uh and civil rights groups as well as the state's attorney general under under governor Sununu. whether we see that exact forum come back will be interesting but again with uh speaker sharon packard as the the prime sponsor we're likely going to see some version and everyone's kind of waiting to see whether that is added into the budget um, there's a few other areas, but that was a, I thought that was a, a key one to start with. All right, Mr. Education Reporter, do you think there's going to be some more uh, follow-up on the divisive concepts legislations? This, this is how it usually happens at the state house: there is some big bill makes it through, and then it gets whittled down or changed over the preceding couple of years. We saw that with abortion legislation and such. Do you think divisive concepts is going to be back on the table to some extent? Well, it's interesting. I'm sure that, I, and, I, and I know I've seen some uh, of the bill filings from Democrats that want to pull that back, uh, you know, repeal it entirely. This is, again, the uh, bill that was passed in the budget in 2021 that um, bars the um, advocacy of certain concepts uh, from by teachers, some of which include that, you know, one race or gender or other protected classes superior to another. Um, there's a few other categories. Um, can, you know, Republicans argue that this is something that is just preventing discrimination in classrooms. Um, and you know, Democrats and, and others say that it will actually squelch conversations. Um, there's currently a lawsuit against the bill that passed. So you're going to see a repeal effort there on the Republican side. Um, I don't know if they're going to advance that further, but there is an, a different bill uh, from Representative Glenn Cordelli, who is the vice chairman of the House Education Committee, uh, you know, you know, obviously a well-positioned player here, um, who is, he's bringing forward a bill that's related to dissemination of obscene in higher education. I've seen the bill text of that yet, just saw the title. It's significant that this is the first major effort that I've seen that expands some of that divisive concepts, uh, you know, some of what was at the heart of that bill into higher education and not just K to 12 education. And I'm gonna, again, be very interested to see what the debate around that looks like and what we're gonna see. Yeah, that's gonna be so messy. I mean, when you're when you're talking uh, higher education, especially, we saw this around the device, after the divisive concepts law went through and it was brought up, I believe, in, last, in this past year's set, first session also, is what makes the higher education institution applicable to whatever the state house does it like would this apply to the the independent colleges would this apply to the state the university of new hampshire would this apply to the community college system um does it like mm -hmm. we ha obviously have gender studies at the university like how much does that impact that program from being able to happen and that it will 
I odds are that would pretty quickly end up in the courts because it goes against the whole idea of academia having a level of freedom of thought uh, whether or not you like the idea of these topics being a, a huge focus on higher education campuses yeah you 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 raised the idea of academic freedom i think this will be interesting because i was watching the lawsuit around the existing uh so-called divisive concept law of course that's not the actual title of it but that's how some people call it some people call it the banned concepts law and in that lawsuit that was again focused on k-12 schools and there was a lot of discussion about academic freedom and to what extent that legal doctrine which um, generally applies to higher education to what extent case law supports that for k-12 um so then again we haven't seen where that case uh is is heading yet but when you take that into the higher education sphere, as you noted, there are a lot more legal protections um, for academic freedom, which allow for certain professors, you know, to teach uh, in certain ways. Um, I'll be again to see how that works. Um, so that's just um, fight, but I don't think I, there isn't too much new in this sphere other than that, um, at least when it comes to this, it's gonna be mostly Republicans sort of playing defense against democratic attempts to repeal it as they tried last, what about on the healthcare side of the house? Do you think there's going to be a lot of de legislation proposed in that? And I mean, we're talking right now with the ending of the public health emergency going on with COVID, the Medicare kind of being reconfigured because of that. That's going to be a highlight for many families in the state. Yeah. Well, one thing in healthcare that has not really been talked about a lot um, is Medicaid expansion. So well before COVID and everything hit, Medicaid expansion was one of the thorniest topics in New Hampshire. And it's kind of funny to look back at it now given everything else that's happened. Medicaid expansion needs to be done every five years. The last one was done in this year. Um, that's going to be something that we'll see how it works, especially with this legislature. I think you're also going to see a lot of bills around abortion. You're going to see Democrats trying to put into the Constitution a protection on abortion. They're going to try to repeal the 24-week abortion ban that was put in place uh, in 2021. Um, and, you know, they're, they're going to try to pare back some of the penalties against physicians. But then you're also going to see Republican bills that will try to ban abortion earlier than 24 weeks. So whether or not any of that gets traction is really the, the key question. Again, this is a budget year. It's going to be about the budget. We'll see how much of these policies kind of work their way in. Yeah, I mean, what else do you think will be a uh, priority on the budget uh, planning that they'll be working on? Uh, very good question. Um, I think the big question here is, uh, and I wrote an article about this, it's not so much a policy question, it's more about the relationship that Governor Chris Sununu, a Republican, has with other Republicans in the legislature. Um, he, uh, and I think we talked about this uh, before, but he uh, had, you know, said some choice words uh, about Representative Ken Weiler, who leads the House Finance Chair. This is Sununu, the governor, talking about him. Um, Weiler was reinstated after con after stepping down after controversy. After so he's back in charge. But it speaks to something deeper. Um, this governor has is he's a Republican. He's broadly popular, but he has always had a little bit of a difficult relationship with House Republicans specifically. And so how they work together when they have a knife's edge of a majority. Uh, in the House is going to be fascinating. Um, and I think when we look through that lens, like what does Ken Weiler and 
Sherm Packard, what do they need to get the votes through? And with such a narrow majority, it could either be a more of a compromise budget or it could be a budget that has more conservative priorities because that's how you get the last few votes. Um, and whether the, um, the governor is involved or not involved uh, is also a key consideration. So I think that's kind of the, the chessboard that you have to look at look, moving ahead. Ethan DeWitt, reporter over at the New Hampshire Bulletin, newhampshirebulletin.com to get more from them. I'll be also linking the the article we discussed at nhtalkradio.com, or you'll also be able to listen to the podcast version of the show. This is New Hampshire Headlines and WKXL. I'm your host, AJ Kirstead.